I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Hey, and welcome to Hey, I Want Your Job. Believe it or not, I have Paul with me today, whose job I really wanted from like early childhood age as a kid, when asked, what do you want to be? Everybody else was like fireman, fairy princess, etc. Nope, not me. I wanted Paul's job. So Paul, what is your job title? I am a CPA, so um, I am the founder of Wants Consulting. Um, my title over here, uh, just call myself the principal. Um, I, I work with a, you know, a team of, there's a total of eight of us, um, and all CPAs are aspiring CPAs, um, but we are tax enthusiasts and accounting enthusiasts. I have to say, I have never heard anybody refer to themselves as a tax enthusiast, let alone doing so with a straight face. So uh, well done. Um, I also think we know each other well enough to understand how improbable the idea of me as an accountant, in fact, would be. Oh, I think um, you'd make a great accountant. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a really good idea. Let's put the easily bored uh, dyslexic girl in charge of things that require a great deal of attention to detail. What could possibly go wrong with that? I do love math. I will say I was a calculus tutor at university. Calculus is totally my jam. But in my defense, that's because I got really stoked about the idea of being given the answer and being told to find the question. I was like, how is everybody not down for this? That's freaking amazing. People are like, the antiderivative is weird. I was like, no. It is like the ultimate question of the universe. It's so great. So anyway, I do like math, but I do not have the level of attention to detail that you do by any means. And so I know why I thought I wanted to be an accountant and was clearly wrong. Why, why accounting? Like, how did this happen? That's a good question. Um... I think I've, I asked myself that for, for a little bit, like in my early years, I'm like, why did, why did I pick this job? Because it was like, you know, when you start off in accounting, it's kind of miserable. Uh, you're like, why would anybody want to do this? Um, but then, you know, I found that, um, you know, going off my own, um, working with a lot of business owners, that's when I remembered like why I got into this to begin with. So uh, I actually took an accounting class in, in high school. Uh, I took like a QuickBooks, uh, well, it wasn't online at that time, QuickBooks desktop and uh, just general accounting. Um, but I was, always, I was also always interested in uh, entrepreneurship. So in, in high school, you know, we had an entrepreneurship con uh, competition and we had an entrepreneurship class um, and entrepreneurship is just kind of running my family. Um, you know, my father was an entrepreneur, my uncle, my sister's an entrepreneur now, oh, wow. um, you know, my cousins are entrepreneurs. So uh, come from a family of, of, of business owners. Um, and so I think that that's what sparked it. Uh, so interest in, in accounting early on, and then just having this entrepreneurial uh, spirit just embedded in, in like my family's DNA. Uh, that was that was really what kind of got my interest going in accounting because I got to see the insides of so many different businesses. Uh, and so in the early years of, of accounting, like, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're doing, you're working a lot of hours um, yeah. and you're, you're not really getting a lot of client interaction. 
Um, so you, you, you feel a little bit disconnected from the, from the work that you do. Um, but as I, you know, continue to stick with this, this profession, uh, I, I realized how great it could be. Um, I think this past year is maybe one of the greatest examples of that. Uh, but for, for me personally, like working with, you know, business owners, uh, really helping them navigate, uh, some of their, uh, financial, uh, complications that they're working through or, as we saw with the with the pandemic, uh, things like PPP and EIDL, and how we're going to stay in business. Should we, you know, should do we have to lay off employees? You know, are we going to uh, put people on paid or sick leave? Um, how are we How are we going to get through this? And so, serving as a resource for that, and uh, really being a sounding board for a lot of business owners and uh, them trusting, you know, our professional guidance and advice. Uh, that that's why I do this. Like this is that's what's incredibly empowering is is being able to really help business owners, uh, you know, through some of these tax law changes that we're seeing, right? Like they're, they're confusing, people feel, you know, lost, um, finances and everybody's strong suit. Uh, so, you know, going through people's, uh, you know, books and records and helping them make the right decisions so that they can grow or they can reach their, you know, their goals from a business perspective is, uh, is what inspires me every day to, to do what I do. But uh, it definitely started early on with like, an, you know, an interest in, in just, people around me and my family that were, uh, you know, small business owners themselves. And, uh, you know, those were a lot of the discussions that we were having at, you know, at the dinner table. I have to say, you've sold me a little bit that like being the like go-to sage vice of wisdom and guidance and uncertain times from a financial perspective. Okay. That doesn't sound boring. And that kind of sounds awesome a little bit. Um, so got me there, but mostly I have stuck in my head, this mental image of a, like, you know, those memes, everybody's doing the, like where it started and where it is now. And yeah. I just went like, you know, pimply faced Paul from high school with like, a, I'm in the entrepreneur club, like some kind of like a medal or like whatever it is you won for participation. And then like, and how's it going? And you're like, this is my cool swanky office in downtown Austin. Check it out guys. <laughs> and I feel like, that is just both adorable. And I, I just, I think that that's really great. I love this idea that like your whole family just breeds entrepreneurs. That's amazing to me. My family does not, my family breeds mostly really argumentative people. <laughs> <laughs> and most, both of my siblings are in education. My sister is, um, well, she's now fifth grade teacher. She was a second grade teacher. Um, so obviously she has no money. Um, and my brother is a CTO for a local school district. So, so boring. Before that, he was a math teacher. The only thing more notoriously boring than an accountant is a math teacher. Oh and man. Wow. <laughs> I, I love my math, my math teachers. I mean, that was- You're an accountant, Paul, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You got me there. Um, yeah. 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 I think um, that was, I mean- I, I work like some of my clients now are people in my family. Um, and so it is really, it, you know, I, I, I could say, I could probably speak for, for anyone on our team when, when I say that, like, uh, when you get to work with the business owners and not the actual, like, you know, CFO or outsourced accounting team, um, there's a lot of value in like those conversations that you're having with them and you're making really impactful uh, decisions. So it is, it is, you know, super rewarding. So that must be a little weird. Um, talk to me about how you navigate that. If you have family members that you work with, because I have people that are basically family to me, 
that I mm-hmm. work with professionally. And that's hard for me because I, a lot yeah. of my job is bad news fairy. A lot of your job is bad news fairy, but like in a really like fiscal way, my job is saying, you can't do that in recruitment. It's not 1986 and that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> it's a very different type of bad news fairy that, Hey, if you don't change this, this, and this, you will not eat next month <laughs> is <laughs> different level. How do you navigate that? It's challenging. I mean, there's, there's times like my worst client is my dad. I tell him this all the time. I'm like, he's like the, the you know, the, the shittiest client I could possibly have. Um, it, it, there's always a struggle on the technology side. It always is a time sucks for me. And even if we run through it like multiple years, we still have the, you know, this, the same, the same problems. Um, and then, you know, my dad is like one of those, uh, those people, all, you know, he, he's a smart, he's a smart guy. Um, and, you know, but he's, he's also like one of those clients that's like, are you sure we can't do this? I think I read this. And I'm like, you know, your Google search, like you don't have a CPA license. Like, trust me, on, trust me on this. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for, you know, 30,000 hours. It's, it's my life. Um, but yeah, it, it, some of those, some of those relationships are a little bit difficult to, to navigate, but I've found that like really just setting the, the boundaries on what the expectations are and, um, what you know what what I bring to the table and what I expect out of them uh, early on is has been you know really helpful in making sure that those uh, those professional relationships don't uh, they're not tainted by like any of the the personal aspect of them. So we could have um, y- you could call me on this number. This is my business number during business hours, and um, you could text me as your cousin or your son or whatnot. Um, but don't ask me so, a tax question uh, at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. Like, it's a lot. Do they set up like yeah. a separate table at Thanksgiving where it's like, you know, ask me your tax questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm always happy to help my family. Like, even, even you know, my family members that um, you know, I don't work with, like, yeah, you know, every, taxes, you know, everybody's impacted by, by this stuff. So um, those discussions do come up at like Thanksgiving, Christmas, holiday parties and whatnot. I'm always happy to, to, to have those discussions because for me, I mean, you know, they're, they're really interesting and just, they're, they're a way for me to, uh, connect with, with like, you know, aunts or uncles or, you know, cousins that, that I don't work with, that I don't get to, you know, see how they're really doing like with their, with their business or some of the struggles that they've had, uh, connecting with them on that stuff is, uh, it's, it's, it's for me, like it's, it's a cool way to kind of see like, Hey, I had that problem or, um, Oh, I know what you're going through. I had a client that had this problem and like, we could, you know, work through it and, and, and solve it. So, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of small business owners have pretty similar problems. And like one of the best things you can do is kind of share that and work through how you got through that process and how they got through that process or some tips and feedback on some of that stuff. So, uh, I think there's a lot of information to be shared. So, I think that's really interesting that like your family and friends are all like, Hey, you're in tax. Talk to me about this financial issue I'm having because, um, by the way, I'm totally jealous of that cup. Don't feel like you can't send me some Merc. I'm all in. Um, <laughs> you want some swag? We got lots of launch. Uh, all over, over the swag. Paul. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really interesting that your family has those open conversations because sort of culturally there's a lot of, oh, we don't talk about money you know, people, a lot of families, a lot of individuals are really secretive. Um, a lot of the work that I do with my clients is I'm all about radical disclosure with regards to salaries. I really think that the only way to fix the pay gap that we have for, 
men, women, minorities, et cetera, is just everybody put all your cards on the table. This is what everybody makes. And then you know exactly where you fall within the organization. I know that I'm radical, but that is how I feel about it. And I get a lot of pushback from people about how, oh, it's so gauche to talk about money. Oh, I'm not comfortable about that. Why do you, like, is it because you're an accountant that it creates a safe space? Is it because you just are nosy as hell and you're just like, hey, so how much money you've got in the bank? How's those taxes going? Like, what makes that happen for you that other people can't have that combo? Yeah, um, that's a fair question. You, you know, I, I'm really big on, you know, confidentiality. So that's really important to me. And I know it's important to a lot of our clients. Uh, and so I, I think I've built this, this trust with a lot of people, whether it's in my network or professionally, that uh, they could confide in me and like know that like, hey, if I know what so-and-so, you know, cousin so-and-so makes, I'm not going to tell, you know, their brother or sister or other cousins and, and their, you know, their information is safe with me. And so I think that's, so I, I, I can get the, I can understand from like where, where you're coming from and your roles that like, that is the, really the only way to close some of these pay gaps is, is having complete, um, you know, transparency on, on that stuff. I, I'm the opposite in the industry that I work in and, um, you know, just in far, as far as like disclosures go and whatnot, like I, I'm, I'm pretty tight-lipped on, uh, I, I am very tight-lipped on that stuff. I mean, it's, it, it's one That's of the things that like, to be, to be yeah, fair. it's my job. Exactly. Like, so, so that, yeah. that bit of, you know, that, that aspect oh. of, you know, me is like, Hey, a secret's always safe with me. I'll take it to the grade. So, um, confidentiality is you know, extremely important to me. Is that like your tagline? Launch consulting. We'll <laughs> take, take your to secrets the to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I should use it. <laughs> no charge. No charge for that. You're welcome. Just, you know, throwing it out there. I feel like I just paid for my cup, right? Like that's, that's how that works. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have Ashley send you one. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so I made a joke earlier and razzed you about accountants being boring. You are not a boring person at all. So first of all, do accountants, in your opinion, get huffy about that stereotype? And two, like, is it accurate? Like, why do you think we feel that way about this? Why do you think that that's the go-to line about accountants? Because <laughs> I think they're portrayed in Hollywood as always being like these people in this dark back office role. Not that, Ben like, Affleck don't... when he's shooting everybody <laughs> in the account. <laughs> Well, that was that was like changing the whole profession. I think they just that from like a like AICPA sponsored that for recruiting. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know, I, I gotta say, like, I don't think you know, I, I don't think that we're that boring. I mean, in my free time, I love to read, you know, lots of tax code and pages and pages of tax law, and so that's pretty exciting. Um, I think I think some of my colleagues they like to do really exciting things like that too, like uh, you know, stay stay at the office late and and uh, read the newest bill that, you know, just passed the, uh, the House or Senate. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, Basically party I think, animals. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll see, you'll see uh, all, you know, everybody's across the spectrum in, in this industry. Like, you know, I, I've historically worked with, um, you know, I, I started uh, working in high net worth tax uh, at a very conservative firm. Um, there, there definitely wasn't much letting loose there. So I saw that aspect of accounting, um, you know, holiday parties, like, you know, a team of 25, like not one sip of alcohol. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you did, like you'd have a partner kind of glaring at you, like, what are you doing? Um, and then I've worked at firms where like, we have like, you know, a boat party with a uh, keg stand, you know, lead partners taking the keg stand. So I've seen, I've seen all aspects of, uh, you, you know, this, this profession and people that work in it. I think, I think the stereotypes, um, 
you know, some of them could be justified, right? Like we work with, you know, at, at, at here at Launch, like I'm super lucky to work with a group of incredibly talented, smart individuals and everybody has, you know, their own unique hobbies outside of, uh, outside of the office. And some of them are, you know, maybe geeky. Some of them are uh, interesting, but like, it's what you'd maybe expect for uh, somebody in this, in this industry. Um, and, and so, so some of, some of those stereotypes are, are definitely warranted. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just as many uh, extroverts in, in this profession as well, especially, you know, here internally at launch, like on the client facing side, um, we're having a lot of conversations with, with, um, with business owners, right? And so I think what, what sets us apart is we're able to break some of these more complex topics down into just uh, layman's terms um, and really have that conversation with, uh, with business owners in a way that they can understand and digest it. Uh, and so that, that's not something that every accountant can do. So um, right now I am really lucky to be working with a group of people that can both, you know, be in the details and is incredibly smart, but also has that ability to to talk to people and converse and has some, you know, have some cool hobbies outside of uh, outside of what we do here in this office. So you choice in that answer talked about people having cool hobbies. So you know where I have to go now, right? Like what are my of those cool hobbies? <laughs> what my one of my favorite interview questions of all time um, is what's your geek. And so like, mm -hmm. what is that you geek out about? So Paul, oh, what's your geek? My geek. Oh man. I, food, food is definitely my geek. Um, and then food is life. Food is not. <laughs> I feel you. Food, yeah. And then, uh, coffee. I like nerd out on coffee, espresso specifically. So, um, like grind your own, know the specific region and amount of sun that like the beans got level. So are you, my I am told the new thing for coffee nerds is to not just grind your own, no, no, passe, but to roast, roast your, own. your own. Are you a home roaster? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't got to that point yet. Like <laughs> I, I, it's definitely been something that's like interesting to me, but um, yeah, coffee, coffee is to me is really interesting because it has terroir just like wine. I also really enjoy wine. Um, but also chocolate. So like, those are all really great things, right? Like who doesn't like wine? Who doesn't like chocolate? Um, who doesn't like coffee? Sociopaths uh, and, and, you know, people we don't want to associate with clearly yeah, only fascists. Yeah, seriously. Don't that's like a, that's actually a requirement to, uh, to work at launch is like, you've got to, you got to like food. Like, I think everyone here really loves good food. So we have fun like during tax season when, when, um, when we're working late, we're all working late and, um, you know, we order dinners to bring in for the team and like, we all get to, we all get our pick on like, Hey, all right, what are we eating? You know, it's like, it's something we get to look forward to. Like, Hey, what are we eating on Tuesday? What are we eating on Wednesday for dinner? And, uh, Oh, this restaurant just opened. You know, we've got like our random channel on Slack, probably got a, you know, filled with links for eaters. So yeah, my geek is definitely food and, uh, coffee. I can get behind both of those for sure. Yeah. I, I will just FYI, coffee, wine, and chocolate are three of the biggest migraine triggers out there. So I can't drink, I can't drink coffee because it causes migraines, no matter how much I love it. Oh, um, man. I have to be very careful with red wine, no matter how much I love it, because like even a glass or two migraine and chocolate, same. Also cheeses and red meat are also migraine triggers for a lot of people. Basically all the things that make life awesome. All the things that get you gout basically like, yeah, all the, all the good stuff. Um, yeah, that's, that's, um, 
That sucks, man. I can, you know, my, my day starts with an espresso. It's like a, that I'm a chai a girl. I'm a, I start yeah. with a chai because again, I can have the tea, I can have the caffeine, but yeah, not, I can't have coffee. coffee. I used to love it. It was my favorite. And then we figured out that the reason I was always having migraines in my adolescence was because how much I loved coffee. Apparently it's like an actual chemical in the coffee bean. So it's not even, people think it's the caffeine, but like, Mm -hmm. I can't even have coffee flavored things because there's something in like the actual bean itself. Molecule. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I don't know anything about that. So I'm going to have to look into it. There you go. Now you can go geek out on that. Somebody, yeah, somebody's going to need to make a coffee that is absent this particular compound. And then coffee. I will sign up as a taste tester. I'm available. There we go. Very reasonable rates. No problem. New business idea. Absolutely. See, look at you. You're just a font of knowledge. Not only do you know all about the taxes, et cetera, but also with the, hey, if you uh, need to make money, how about coffee for people who shouldn't be drinking it? So, (laughs) and so let's talk a little bit about what you do and how you help people. If you were going to think about like your single, like number one ROI point, like the thing that you most often are able to walk into your client and be like, oh, friend, here's this thing you've been doing wrong. And it just immediately fixed their shit. What is... What is like probably your number one place that you, you have that? Man, I think, I think the, where I deliver the biggest ROI is I help business owners sleep at night. Um, That's, that's (laughs) literally like what I do. Like, you know, finance is just, it's, you know, you probably see this just in your relationships with other, other people or other business owners. Um, finance and taxes are their anxiety, you know, inducing for, for a lot of people. They're, yeah. they're stressful. They're, they're, they're complicated. People don't understand them. Um, you know, they keep, they keep a lot of people up at night. So uh, I, I think that like, you know, obviously we help with, you know, primarily we do a lot of tax compliance and planning. Um, and so that's, you know, that's just one, one piece of that. But we also do, you know, accounting services, fractional CFO, controller type work. Um, and so that's, that's everything from like cash flow management, like, Hey, we've got these bills due, you know, in the next 30 days, how do we manage, you know, with the money coming in, um, how do we manage these bills and make sure that we're structuring our cash flows so that we could, you know, pay our employees, take care of our people, um, and also, you know, satisfy these liabilities. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's not like one single thing that we do that, um, is delivering ROI, but like, it really is like helping business owners sleep at night. It's like one thing off their plate. Like, they're like, Hey, I, you know, you love recruiting. You're like, I just want to be a recruiter. I don't want to do my books. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to do my taxes. Um, and that's, you know, that's where we come in and we, we take it off your plate. So you can focus on like what it is that you really enjoy doing. I, I really, I love that. I think that, so what I always say, when I get asked that question by prospective clients or what have you, is I think that one of the big things that having a real expert in some, in a specific little silo like you or I is, is that it's really easy for me to cut through the noise. So when I work with a client, they have like 15,000 things that they're sort of ambiently worried about. And I can come in and be like, these 14,956, we do not care. Here are the things that we care about. Here are the three decisions you need to make, which inform all of those things. 
and they were kind of good. Um, and I feel like that, like the look of relief <laughs> when you're I mean, able to say that. I could attest to that, right? Like <laughs> I could, I could definitely attest to that, um, that, you know, that relief. And, uh, you know, when you helped with um, some of our recruiting um, problems, it was, it was really refreshing to have somebody that knows what they're doing instead of an entrepreneur trying to, you know, fill one of the 30 hats yeah. that they have to do. Um, and, and actually it's, it's, it's funny, like I was reading an article, um, I think it was like last week, uh, about, about the CEO that tracked like meticulous, meticulous, meticulous. Yes. They, they, uh, they tracked their time like in 15 minute increments, uh, for the first, I think two years of their, uh, startup. Okay. Um, and they were trying to figure out like where they were spending the most time. Um, and, and what they found is they thought they were spending, you know, a ton of time on recruiting. Um, be, but at the end of the day, when they, when, when he went back through, like where, you know, where he spent his days, um, he only spent like 3% of his time on recruiting. And so he goes on to talk about um, how, when you're, when you're, when you're working on some of these tasks that just, they, they're just not you like you're, you're feeling like challenged by them or up against them. It feels like time just goes on forever, right? Um, but when you're doing the things that you actually enjoy doing um, and you're actually getting uh, a return on your time from like a business owner standpoint, like that's when the time just kind of flies by. So I thought it was a really, you know, it, it, it resonated with me because I was like, man, I felt like I was spending a lot of time doing recruiting stuff. And, um, and if I probably went back at it, maybe I wasn't, but it just felt like, uh, eternities. <laughs> but I do think like, I mean, I'm a small business owner as well. And I mean, I, I get it. Like when there is a part, a piece of your business that is shouting loudly in your brain, like it or lump it, like no matter how you feel about that thing, it still feels like it dominates everything. Because even when you're doing other stuff, you have, and, and that CEO, what he couldn't have quantified is how much of his mental time he was spending on recruitment versus whatever else he was supposed to be doing. Cause you and I both know, like when you've got something that like you feel like is breathing down your neck, right? Like you're in a meeting and yes, you're present, but there's still this part in the back of your mind that goes, don't forget all those resumes you have to read, Paul. <laughs> Paul, if you don't hire someone soon, you'll never see your wife, Paul. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> All that is still omnipresent there. And it's even worse, mm -hmm. I think, with with your sector where you're talking about money. Like that is literally, do we keep the lights on? Do we keep helping, letting people feed their families? Like, and nothing in life, I think, is scarier than the IRS. Like <laughs> nothing is scarier than the IRS, probably especially for me because I am, I am probably every accountant's like, you would look at my taxes and be like, you did what? Because I have complicated taxes and I use TurboTax because I am lazy and cheap. And so <laughs> but you're literally laughing at I me. Think, I don't think you could call yourself lazy if you do your own taxes. Definitely, definitely not lazy. Not badly, much, badly, but... Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and I just pay whatever the IRS says. I'm like, yes, that's great. Fine. Have an extra hundred just to make sure you don't come back because I am terrified of the IRS because like that's, you know, that's how they get absolute compliance, right? Is because people are totally afraid of them. And like I said, I have uh, CPAs in my life who are like, you wouldn't be terrified if you hired an actual expert to do this correctly <laughs> as opposed to 
guessing and swearing at your computer for eight hours and then hitting send. <laughs> yes, agreed. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I'm feeling that, judged that's what, like, right now. Your face is a, a little judgy in my direction, Paul. And I'm not saying <laughs> I don't deserve some judgment, but. <laughs> No, I, I mean, you know, we've we've had these discussions with like, you know, prospective clients or clients in the past. And it's like, yeah, like this stuff is, it's, it does invoke like these emotions, right? Like there's a little bit of fear, some anxiety around it. Uh, it's time consuming. And it's like, you know, it's your civic duty to, you know, to, to pay taxes. It's part of being a citizen here. And, um, but, you know, nobody wants to pay taxes, but, uh, it is like one of these things that we just, we've all got to do and, you know, we all got to adult and um, it is a lot easier when you have a professional. So on that note, I said, you know, I have complicated taxes, but I do it myself. Mm -hmm. There is, in my experience, there are kind of two polarized schools of thought. There is the, if you are not at an income level where you have like two W-2s that is all you're putting on the form and you're going to get basically a full refund from those W-2s, you should probably not be using TurboTax and should pay a professional to do this for you. And there's the other school of thought that is accountants are just trying it on. That's ridiculous. If you have a brain, you can follow TurboTax. <laughs> where, in your opinion... Does the truth lie? I'm guessing somewhere in between. Yeah, definitely somewhere in between. Yeah, where... I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a straight shooter with this. Like, if I, if, if a prospective client, you know, calls me and say, hey, like, this is what I have, um, and they're like, oh, I just bought a house this year. I, you know, I've just got a W two, but I just bought a house this year, and like, um, I think I need a CPA. Like, you know, I'll just shoot it straight with them. I'm like, I probably don't need a CPA. I mean, this is, you know, it's not that complicated from from this standpoint. And like, yeah, if you've got a brain and it works, like, you can probably figure it out. Um, but there's also the, the aspect of like, you know, tax legislation is like, it, it, it's changed so much in the last year and a half. Uh, we, you know, we had new, um, new tax laws, you know, so let me just take a step back and say, it, it's not uncommon for us to have, you know, major tax overhauls with the, with the change of administration. Um, and we saw that, uh, with both know, administrations. In, yeah. Yeah. We saw with both administrations, right? Like tax cuts and jobs act passed in 2017. Uh, you know, that was the, obviously the Trump administration. Um, before that, we had the, you know, the Bush era tax cuts and, or uh, before that, we actually had the uh, ACA Obama. and Obama. Yeah. And then before that, it was, you know, the, the Bush and capital gains rates. Um, so it's not uncommon to have, you know, this, these major tax overhauls, uh, you know, with the, with the change of administration. Uh, what was un uncommon is all the relief acts that were, you know, that were passed in, in the last year, everything from the CARES Act, to you know, Families First Coronavirus Response Act, um, to uh, the American Rescue Plan Act, like all of that legislation getting passed, like basically within a year, uh, were, had major implications, right? And like those individuals that had you know relationships with CPAs were, you know, I, I, I'm going to venture to guess that those are the business the businesses that you know probably did better or got uh, or were able to capitalize on you know all of the benefits and the relief that was available to them. And so I think that uh, there is definitely value. I, I know that there's value in having a CPA, having clean set of financials and books so that you're able to, you know, apply for things like the EIDL, lines of credit, PPP, um, so that you are able to, you know, do these employee retention tax credits and, um, you know, navigate some of these other tax law changes. Like that's where, 
you know, that's where we really come in is like, we, we love working with business owners. Um, not to say that we don't work with, you know, individuals uh, too, but um, there's an extent where like, yeah, your tax return is probably a little bit too complicated for you to handle. And, um, and even if you do have just a W-2, there may be um, an instance where we can add value. And we see that with stock options. So we work with a lot of, you know, here we are in Austin, you know, our office is in Austin. We've got clients all over the place, but um, primarily in Austin. Um, and so Austin's home to a lot of startups in the technology industry and a lot of those startups issue uh, in different types of stock options to to their employees as a condition of employment. Um, and stock options can get complicated. Like I'm not talking about the standard, you know, RSU that, you know, restricted stock units that you might get from like Facebook that everybody gets and there's not really any planning to be done around it. I'm talking about like the early stage companies that are issuing uh, NSOs and ISOs, like incentive stock options, uh, warrants and, you know, other more complicated uh, grants that do require tax planning and where there's mm-hmm. you know an incredible benefit to using a CPA. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I could go into loads of examples of, of that, but uh, I think if you, if you, if you're feeling like there's something that might be a little bit complicated in the situation, give me a call. I'm going to straight shoot it with you. I'm going to tell you like, Hey, uh, you're probably not a good fit or you, this is maybe something that you can navigate on your own. Or I'll let you know, like, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's something we could do here to help or, um, maybe it's a you know an engagement for for current year taxes, and then we'll review the prior years. And a lot of times we find mistakes. I mean, we found hundreds of thousands of dollars of mistakes on prior tax returns, and have gone through the amendment process and, and got our clients back money um, just through you know doing a review of a, of a return that was either self prepared or prepared by another preparer. My guess is that eventually, when my husband wins and we hire a CPA, that that's exactly they'll be like, you did what, and and that that will eventually happen. But I'm listening to you and I, so I know when I'm working with my clients to help with compensation packets and that kind of thing, a lot of times there is a lot of stress for people who are especially new to like the startup space or some of the technology spaces where there are a lot of like RUIs and stock options and that kind of thing. Is one of the things that you guys offer um, when you work with a startup or work with one of those organizations to provide some like general counsel to their stuff? And, and if not, why not? We've, we've done that before. I mean, we've done, um, we've, we've done larger engagements like that where we've talked to uh, employees of a, of a corporation to advise on uh, some of the implications for their employees, whether it's on the you know, stock, uh, stock side or whether it's on the non-employee compensation side. Um, we've, we've had those discussions and there's a lot of great companies in Austin that, that pay for that um, that is a benefit for their clients or give a stipend for it too. So, um, yeah, we've, we've definitely, we've done, we've done that on the, uh, the company side for their employees. And then obviously we've, we've done it for, um, for businesses and for individuals specifically too. Cause I, so I was doing recruit context. I was recruiting uh, for Facebook when they went public, mm-hmm. um, as a, a, a external recruiter. And so I knew loads of their folks. They were like, oh shit, (laughs) now what? And like, it's same thing with like, I think all of the big ones that have gone public where it's like, you know, you have Insta millionaires and what have you, that that's a big shift that, you know, and there wasn't any kind of help for folks in that situation. And I would think that that, I know it was really stressful and I know, I know engineers who were like, what? 
I have all this money. I'm going to go retire, make it rain. And you were like, oh, if you think $3 million is enough to retire at the age of 30, oh, friend, oh, friend, you know, and so <laughs> it just seems- You haven't lived, if you think that's enough to retire, you haven't lived in Austin in 2021. <laughs> right, like I- I feel like you and I either have radically different lifestyle expectations <laughs> or you know something about your like longevity of life that I clearly do not. Um, but why do, do you think it's just something that companies don't think about? Um, like, cause that in retrospect, it seems very obvious to me. Um, is that unusual in your experience for companies to not offer something like that? Or I think, um, I think it, I think it, you know, it depends on the company. Like uh, I was working with um, a group of clients that we have in Seattle um, that work at uh, a, you know, company that went public in, I think, September. Um, that company in particular was really great about this. They were offering, um, one, they, you know, you get these agreements and, and they talk through like the process of what does, it, what does it mean when we IPO? What are the tax implications going to be? And they'll have a big FAQ and it's 30 pages yeah, yeah. long and, and, and they'll, they'll go ahead and do that. Um, then they'll typically advise that, you, you know, you definitely talk to a, a CPA about it. And so a lot of those were clients that we had existing relationships with. Um, what they also did, which was really great, is they provided um, like free financial advisor uh, for these clients. So they, they gave you a few free you know, one hour planning sessions, you know, a couple of them where they paid, I don't remember if it was like a fidelity or somebody like that. Uh, so you could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation on, hey, what does this mean for, uh, you know, my, my, my personal finances? Uh, what, you know, what are some things that I need to think about on the personal finance side? Um, and so I think, you know, that was really great to see that. I've also worked with other companies that, you know, pre-IPO, they, they had given uh, employees, uh, money stipends to, to use for CPAs um, or for financial advisors. Um, I, I don't know the exact dollar amounts, but I know that I've had clients say, hey, can you bill me before the end of the quarter? Like, you know, yeah. I've got a stipend to, to do some of this tax planning. And those are usually like for the, for, you know, the clients that have those ISOs, those incentive stock options. Um, and we're doing multi-year planning scenarios, you know, pre-IPO where uh, things are going to get really, you know, kind of crazy from a tax standpoint, and they're much more, you know, involved and complicated. Um, so I've seen a lot of companies do this. Uh, I can't speak for, you know, the the, the pre-IPO, you know, Facebook or or, or Google. I'm not asking um, you to answer for Zook. Yeah, but what you have to answer for him? <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think it is like a benefit that I, I'm starting to see a lot of uh, okay. companies offer, which is which is really cool because it, it gets you know some of these younger people thinking about. Um, building these professional relationships, networks, and, um, you know, asking for help to get to their, whatever their, their goals are personally, financially, whatever, whatever it is. Right. Um, and I think that's a, that's a, you know, pretty cool, like first step is, hey, I've, I'm going to be coming into all this money. Um, no, you know, what? Should I buy a Porsche? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, a great idea. Let's just blow it all. Um, just, just spend it. See how much you could spend in your first year. Um, you, oh, you must have seen it though. Like when the, all of that stuff happens, right? You like, that's, so what if my uh, clients in the UK is the microchip company that makes all of the chips like for Apple and but you probably have like a good 30 of their products in your office right now. And their stock, every time they would get revalued and their stock would take a bump and they would have out like the dividend um, payout time, you would come out to their office and it was just like the parking lot was just full. Like, 
brand new Mercedes. There's the new Porsche. And you're like, okay, obviously it was dividend day. <laughs> Clearly we all have a very different priority set. And it it is like, it has always just made me laugh a little bit, but then at the same time, as I get older and get maybe more sensible financially, like I kind of look back and I'm like, oi, like nobody is helping people make good choices. And so like, I know that, you know, when I've seen now the flip of that, people who I work with people who thought that they were going to retire and are now having to reenter the workforce because they didn't plan enough. And I feel like I worry that some of these engineers are going to get to that place and they're going to be like, oh shit, shouldn't have bought those three Porsches. I like for that cost, I could have like retired two years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I, I just, I, I find that very interesting that there's not of all of the ways that companies support their employees. Like it does feel like financial support is a little taboo. And anytime I've brought it up with a client, they're like liability. We don't give advice liability. And I'm like, I mean, there's gotta be. Yeah. A well, that's why they, that's why they pay the third party to do it. Right. Like yeah. That's why you know, these companies are like, Hey, here's a stipend to go seek professional advice or tax advice because we can't give it to you. Um, and here's our you know FAQ that our attorneys, you know, drafted up and it's going to have some basic questions, but like any sort of tailored advice, you know, it's going to obviously require some sort of due diligence uh, from a professional. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, these situations, I, I think it's really cool. Like I love working with, um, you know, business owners that, and even individuals that are, you know, coming into uh, large amounts of money because you'd be surprised, you know, how many, how many people, especially in the Austin community, like, they're really set on uh, giving back to the community. So like we've done some really cool stuff with, you know, donor advised funds or charitable trusts and things like that, where like the, you know, one of the first things that um, some of these clients are thinking about is like, wow, I just came into this, you know, immense amount of wealth. Um, how can I pay it forward? Or, you know, how can I invest in, in my community? And so we've um, tax helps with that because believe it or not like you know a lot of the tax provisions in, in, uh, that are that are you know in play today and um, a lot of legislation is is really geared around like you know economic uh, development and and that's what we saw with uh, tax cuts and jobs act you know we, we saw the provisions for opportunity zones so that was um, to spur investment in you know economically disadvantaged areas um, we're you know we've got donor advised funds we've got you know, all these different provisions that, yeah, there's some, you know, tax savings associated with it. But for a lot of people, it's not even, that's not the primary driver, like taxes uh, added benefit. But, you know, seeing um, that some of these people really do want to, you know, give back and they really do care about their local communities. It's, it's, it's cool. I love that trend in business. And I think societally right now that I see more and more that people, as soon as you get acquire any kind of wealth, any kind of success, immediately the expectation is to that you turn it around and pay it forward so what does launch do to pay it forward to <laughs> yeah i mean we've, we've done a, you know a lot of different uh endeavors uh from a firm standpoint uh we've been working on like different initiatives where quarterly we were like voting on like things that we care about um and doing the time you know investing time into those areas um, you know, personally, I've done, um, I've, I've sat on the boards of, of some nonprofits, uh, specifically, I was 
Uh, I was on the board of Austin Sunshine Camps for a number of years. So that was uh, a camp over here in Zilker. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, um, but basically- I was director do... of recruitment for the YMCA. Obviously, I okay. have heard. Great. Have um, I heard so... of a summer camp in Austin? <laughs> so you're familiar with it. Um, yeah, so you know, Austin Sunshine Camps is a really cool program. Um, you know, it's a free camp for uh, for economically disadvantaged youth. So it's a really cool summer summer camp experience. I've, I've had the, uh, you know, sure I've donated money, but like to me, I'm like somebody that I'd much rather donate time. I think there's a, uh, there's a bigger ROI than just, you know, giving away some money. Like I think actually go in there and invest my time in something I care about is, is really important. Um, so yeah. I've volunteered at the camps. I've, you know, I've sat on the board, I've raised money, I've, I've done it all. Um, have also, you been a camp counselor? I can't like, <laughs> now I want an image of Paul camp counselor. No, I haven't, camp gone, I haven't got that far, um, but I've gone <laughs> like, you know, canoe night and uh, some of the other nights. Um, I've also did big brother, big sister for, uh, for a few years. And so I went from, I went from um, sunshine camps to saying like, Hey, like, this is really cool. Um, and I could have, you know, small impact on a larger group, or I could check out what, you know, I could do through Big Brother, Big Sister. So I did that for uh, for a number of years as well. Uh, and that was like, hey, I could have a huge impact on on one person's life or, you know, in, in my little uh, situation. I mean, he had a, you know, older brother too, who I, you know, still keep in touch with. So uh, it, it was, you know, it was a really great experience. So um, everybody's got their different causes that they, you know, believe in. I think personally for, for me, um, I, I really, I really think that like the impact that you can make uh, on a kid's life, like that might not have been dealt the best, you know, hand um, is for me, something I'm really passionate about. Like I, I didn't grow up like, in, you know, I didn't grow up wealthy. Like my, you know, my family was not well off Entrepreneurs, all, which is class. feast and famine. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, I think that, um, you know, I, this for me was like, you know, starting my own business was a way for me to like kind of change, you know, my financial situation um, and help other people uh, do the same for, for themselves. But um, I, I could see firsthand that like when somebody actually invests the time or resources in your success, uh, how big of an impact it could have on, you know, using individuals. So I, that's those are the causes that I, you know, really, really believe in. I love that. Um, I have never been a, a small human person myself, um, until I made a couple, I'm still, as it turns out, not a small human person. Um, but <laughs> I am often held prisoner by two of them. Um, you can see in the background, my extensive collection of Pokemon, which are the confiscated <laughs> Pokemon because my children could not stop being assholes with the Pokemon. So now they live at mommy's, uh, desk. Um, but, um, I, for our company, it's, it's dogs. My business partner, uh, Morgan, if, if she could just adopt every dog at Austin Pets Live, she's literally, I think at this point on, they like, don't give this woman puppies. She is a failed foster. You can't, she has like three enormous, like 80 pound dogs. Uh, wow. that, yeah. And she would totally like, literally adopt them all at this point. So our big give back is always around the fur babies, um, more than the, the human babies, but, <laughs> um, both definitely worthwhile causes. And I love that, you know, you've, you've done both the, the really personal individual 
give back. Um, and I like that Launch does it as an organization. So well done. Um, because I think that increasingly, I, I always think it's nice to work with organizations that you know are good humans as well as being really competent at what they do. For me, like I, I think that that's an important part in any business. But you're a smart guy. You have lots of great advice. You get paid to give people great advice all the time. Sure. I have great advice that I give people all the time, about 80% of which I follow myself. <laughs> um, so of your really great advice that you give other people, which great advice do you not follow yourself or struggle to follow, shall we say? Good question. I, I gotta say, like I'm, you know, I'm 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 a pretty disciplined individual, and and I think one of the the things that sets you know me aside as a CPA from maybe other CPAs is, uh, I, you know, a lot of clients ask me like, hey, business owner, business owner, like, what would you do in my situation? Um, and I always put myself in the client situation and. And say, if I were you, I would. This is what I would do, or like, this is what my advice would be. And, and I think a lot of people appreciate that that I'm not like just giving this advice from a, you know, from a like distance. Like, I would do the same thing in your shoes. This is what I would do, and uh, I, I, I live that advice. So there's not there's not really anything I can think of that like I tell a client to do that like I wouldn't, you know, necessarily do myself. It's such an accountant answer. Obviously, I'm a square. I... What do you want from me? <laughs> I mean, I totally like normally the way that it happens is we start down a path and I'll be like, we're going to do this. And my, either me or my partners will turn around and be like, how many of your LinkedIn posts about not doing that? Should, I was like, oh, shut up. Okay, fine. But the other way is more complicated, <laughs> which is always the answer. And it's always the right answer. And we do, but it is like, I, I totally, like I feel for them and, and I, I definitely Sometimes have to check myself because it's easier to look at resumes. I'm not going to lie to you, Paul. They are just so ubiquitous, evil, racist, and wrong, but so easy. So easy. Uh, so, yeah, I now I feel judged again. It's twice in one interview. I don't know that no, we can be no, friends no. anymore, Paul. And <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think that that's that's an amazing kind of quality to just like really, really walk the talk at, at all times like that. I do want to ask you, do you watch the show? Adam ruins everything. Have you seen the show? I haven't. No, you should see it. I will send you links. So there's a show Adam ruins everything in which this, um, plucky geek, our hero, as it were, uh, talks about all kinds of things that people get wrong. And one of the shows that he has is about tax. So as you can see, we're coming around full circle to relevance here. Um, and in it, he talks about how the current tax system is really broken and all of the myriad of reasons why. And echoing that in sort of the press and in modern society, we've seen like there's some people pushing back about how we do taxes now and that they are really overly complicated, unnecessarily so, for people have varying levels of conspiracy reasons why. Um, <laughs> 
but there has been an increasing movement to really, really simplify the code. Like we all remember the put it on the post, you know, get us in a postcard. And so talk to me about the text. Oh my God. That the postcard thing. Oh man. Are you kidding me? That, that was like, Hey, let's take a two page tax return and turn it into a six page tax return on half sheets of paper. Like that was stupid. That was so stupid. Um, simplify the tax code. Yeah. I mean, sure. Our tax code is complicated, you know, it's complicated, it's complex. Um, you know, you could have a conspiracy theory about that and say that it's written to, you know, favor certain people or organizations. Um, you know, it, I don't think that our tax code is going to get any less complex. Uh, and so I'm not fighting them on the complexity. Um, where I do see room for improvement um, is on the, you know, the, the wealth gap and the, you know, disparity in, in wealth in America. Um, and tax historically has been the way to, not even the playing field, but, um, decrease that, that gap. And so what we've probably seen over the last couple of years is uh, the incredibly wealthy um, getting even wealthier, right? When we get into the- Well, empirically, that's what we've seen, right? That, yeah. you know, Bezos- and a shrinking middle class. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's obviously become a problem in America. Like, you know, you could just be a billionaire and take a joyride to space and you've got people that- um, you know, are struggling to make ends meet or living out in the streets. Um, and so I do see an opportunity for, you know, our, our tax code to address some of those issues, um, but it's not going to result in a simpler tax code. Um, it, it, I think it's just going to, you know, the no tax flat only tax, get... no postcards. I mean, I feel like you're breaking everybody's no. dreams right now, Paul, everybody's yeah. dreams. I mean, flat tax, like, you, you know, are you talking about like a consumption tax, like a sales tax or that? Uh, it's been one of the, you know, political taglines is that, you know, everybody pays X amount. So, yeah, I mean, the problem with flat taxes is like they, um, they usually discriminate in some form, right? Like if we're talking about, um, if we're talking about a consumption tax, if you're like, well, why don't we just, you know, charge a 30% consumption tax? Well, like, you know, those that are on the lower income that don't have that excess income to stash away for savings, you know, they're getting, they're getting ahead incredibly hard. And those that have discretional earnings that they are able to save, you know, that's money that's basically shielded from that consumption tax. So like, they're the ones that are benefiting from it. So flat tax don't really, you know, it doesn't really work in, in, in that sense. Um, I think what, what we're seeing with, with some of the proposed legislation, um, it could address some of these gaps, but we're also, I hate to say it, but I feel like we're pretty far past that point. I think once you get to, you know, multi-billion dollar status and, you know, your net worth's a hundred billion dollars. I don't know if you've ever seen like the, um, like the TikToks or, you know, Snapchats on like Jeff Bezos' wealth, like compared to a grain of rice. And it's like this giant mountain of rice and like a hundred thousand dollars is like one grain. And you're like, you could never spend all of that. Um, it, you know, it's almost, it's almost feels, it almost feels like we've, you know, we, we really missed our shot. And I'm, I'm, I, we see this in all areas of our, of our government too. Like I, I'm, I'm feeling that way, like with climate change and, you know, like, are we, you know, are we so far gone that like, we're just, we can maybe remedy some of it now, but like, there's going to be, there's going to be reper repercussions to like the decisions that we've made uh, in government uh, for the last however many decades.
So what I heard. Somber discussion, not, you know, not what, uh, not very uplifting, but yeah. No, that's fine. Go ahead. So what I heard from that is that you are available for legislative uh, consultation for tax amendments and have some uh, opinions. There you go. There you go. Vote me on. There you go. Um, so anybody looking to introduce new legislation, I have some political contacts. I'll put you in contact with some networking, Paul. We got this. Uh, you know, one of my previous guests, Courtney, is a political machinator in D.C. So we'll just hook you up with oh, Courtney wow. between super, the two. Of you. Yeah, you're super connected. I mean, let's not go nuts, but like I know a couple of people. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the ultimate like way to sum up my network. Like I know a couple of people who do like all of the things, right? Like, oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I I am all for uh, Paul, a uh, tax legislation advisor. I feel like it, like, frankly, you, you couldn't be worse <laughs> than who they have. <laughs> But also, neither could I at this stage, right? Like, it's, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of it is just kind of Looney Tunes um, uh, on both sides of the aisle. So, sure. Um, I mean, it's a struggle to get anything, you know, done. It's just, um, it, we're, we're so divided uh, that it's, it's tough to make progress. So, I don't know, you know, I'd like to think that, like, hey, I could make a change, but I, I just, you know, there's going to be some major reform in, in government for, uh, major things to happen. And you're an accountant, so you're an ultimate pragmatist. And so <laughs> you're you're like, real. Yeah. this is not a good ROI on my time because no change is actually going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but the tax code is going to get more complex and, you know, we're going to be busy. So There you go. There you go. I feel like that's just making it rain for you. See, conspiracy theory right there. <laughs> the CPAs are behind everything. Here we are. And well, we are um, about out of time. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to make sure um, to cover before we go? Well, we covered it all. We talked about um, food, taxes, and um, migraines. So I there we go. What else is yeah. there? Really? And horrible <laughs> children. We talked about horrible children and, and Pokemon great children. And, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Done. Cool. Done. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thanks I feel for like, having me on. This is fun. I feel like you painted accountants in a refreshingly hip uh light so do you think anyone wants my job now <laughs> i still don't no i'm good i'm good <laughs> but thank you so much paul yeah thank you michelle it's been a pleasure you've been listening to hey i want your job for more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. We offer incredible resumes, no-nonsense career advice, and real-world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta for more insider information. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job. <laughs>